0: You all, my friends. Thanks for tuning in to another podcast episode of Master Samurai Tech Radio. This is a podcast for appliance techs by appliance techs. Today is August 26, 2015, and this is episode four. We're your hosts, Samurai Appliance Repair Man
1: and Mrs. Samurai, and we run the websites mastersamuraitech.com and Appliantology.org.
0: And be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, YouTube or iTunes. You can uh, just search Master Samurai Tech on iTunes and subscribe to us there.
1: Yep, don't miss an episode.
0: All right, so we had some. Uh, we're trying. We're dialing this in now. This is only our fourth episode, and we were listening to the last episode, and I noticed some intermittent kind of low, little lo- thumpies. Yeah, so sorry about that, everybody. But uh, we're, try, we we're trying. We tried a different setting on the microphone that we're using here, the the Yeti. And um, I think it's something defective with that particular setting. So we've gone back to the setting that we used in the first two, and I think the thumpies should be gone. So hopefully this will this will have a little better audio quality than than the
1: last episode. Right. And also today it's a nice cool day outside. Well, yeah, first it's summer in New Hampshire, it back to is. normal weather, so we're not sweltering like we were last week, That's which true. is nice.
0: I wonder if the heat was doing something, maybe making the internal microphone guts expand and creak like that. So
1: Yeah, they do that.
0: So anyway, we got some industry news going. Let's go right into that.
1: Yes. So uh, one thing is, that is on the horizon is the switch to EMV technology. Ooh! This has to do with credit card processing for right all it. you business owners out there. EMV
0: is that where that have that chip in the card, and there I don't know if if any of you use Square for your credit card processing. I mean, they've been getting sending out emails, doing a good job of getting the word out. EMV stands for EuroPay, MasterCard, Visa. And it's an, an encryption standard that's used in this chip that's embedded in this in the, these cards. They've, they've had this out in Europe for a long time. They got away from the magnetic strips that we're still using in this country. They got away from those a long time ago. Yeah. So Europe, uh, they've been using this EMV. Well, now, if you're using Square, and I don't know if this is industry-wide in the credit industry in, in, uh, in the U.S., or if it's just like particular um, payment processors like Square that are telling us that, and they've told me, if I'm still using the old magnetic strip readers after October, then any kind of fraud that comes up, I'm gonna be liable for it. And how does that work? You, you right. had some intel on that.
1: Right, well, so basically, this applies to anybody who accepts credit cards in the US, beginning August 1st. Oh, so
0: it's industry-wide.
1: I mean, not August, October 1st. Right. Oh, it's throughout the country. Any, okay. any, and, and so it's not just Square the thing that prompted this um because you know we've been dragging our heels for years here in the u.s to go to this safer way of taking credit cards it was those big uh, kerfluffles that happened like uh, with target you know when um, uh
0: target yes that
1: big credit card disaster mm-hmm. and so finally uh retailers you know started admitting yes we probably ought to go to this and consumers were demanding it so uh, it doesn 't mean that your old credit cards wouldn 't be accepted or that c- you couldn 't still do magnetic stripe uh,
0: just means if there 's a question about fraud, whoever has the least secure setting, meaning if you 're still using magnetic strip as your reading as your reader for that card, you lose by default, and so then you get assigned uh, the the, the hit, liability, the charge if, back.
1: if there's fraud, you so you will go be do a repair,
0: right. a $500 repair, and then there's some question about it about fraud. It may not even be raised by the consumer, by the way. It could be raised by the processor. You know, sometimes they'll do this. They'll flag a, a charge as as you know under review. And if they decide that your processing was insecure, uh, they might charge it back to you. I guess that's how I interpret it. So the bottom line- I think worse
1: than that, if if the card was then used for other fraudulent purchases, you might be the one liable for refunding that.
0: Ooh, double sting, wow.
1: So bottom line is if you accept credit cards and you have not yet- That is nasty. Looked into this, taken care of this. Again, you hopefully have been contacted by whoever you use. We use Square um you still got about a month or so if you're listening to this podcast around the time we've recorded it
0: yeah the new reader i've already got my new reader it's it's um it's one you charge up It only costs like 30 bucks for this reader and i think there's also another processor that some people like we use square square's rocking they've always been great Um, but uh, we have talked with i've talked with some other uh, people who've had problems with square and they use instead paypal here which is a comparable type of service I'm not sure what PayPal's doing. I'm sure they're going in a similar way as Square, though, uh, if this is an industry wide credit industry-wide thing. So they're going to have some sort of EMV processor reader type thing that you'll have to get as well, so at nominal or no cost. So it's worth doing, especially with that little uh, kick in the nuts that uh, apparently you can get uh, on the hook for a bunch of other charges that may have been made. All right. All right. So let's move on. What else we got?
1: Well, the Electrolux G E merger. I think that is, is that obviously a done deal?
0: is that finally a done deal?
1: Well I'm going to give you an update on that. All right. Because I, I knew it had happened, sort of. It, languished, it was announced. And it and was
0: challenged. And- so
1: I, I finally spent a little time digging around and seeing what's going on with it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the deal was announced last September. Mm-hmm. A $3.3 billion purchase of GE's appliance operations by Electrolux, mm-hmm. which is a, a Swedish-owned company. Right. But they big have presence been, in the U.S. Right, their they've been about the third
0: headquarters down uh, down south, um, yep. Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: Yep, um, they were third. Uh, it, Whirlpool was the number one seller, GE second, Electrolux third. So, July first of this summer, the Department of Justice filed suit to block the proposed purchase because they said it would be unfair it basically put electrolux on par with whirlpool for u.s appliance sales
0: although they did approve the whirlpool maytag merger which was huge i mean it was a huge consolidation in the industry so uh, hypocrisy much
1: right so so what it's coming down to is a difference of opinion on what the u.s appliance market is currently looking like and I, i my take on it is that uh, Samsung and LG have come on pretty strong and in a fairly short number of years have captured probably up to 20% of the market. But I think the U.S. government is not really acknowledging that it's that big and instead is because thinking once it's again, more like 10.
0: it's the government and they really don't understand the market because they're government bureaucrats they don't they don't get the free market they're all about control so they're not they don't why would it be reasonable to even expect that they would have accurate information on mark things like market share and things like that they also the, the whirlpool maytag jumping back to that they approve the whirlpool maytag merger they're uh challenging this electrolux ge merger mm-hmm To me, I mean, this is a clear example, and we see this over and over again in lots of different areas that the government's involved in. It's capricious and arbitrary enforcement. There is no objective rule of law. What it really comes down to is a subjective interpretation by some bureaucrat in an office somewhere and how he decides to enforce an obscure little regulation in the uh, federal register or, or a statute, mostly their regulations. We've got, like, stacks of regulations out there that just... Uh, anything you do they can gig you for anything and they can find some little reg in this stack of regulations to control curtail modify your activities like they're doing with this now I'm not necessarily a big I'm not advocating this merger what I am advocating is just government interference in the market in general
1: well you're advocating against it
0: against it against <laughs> it. yes Thank you.
1: right yeah because I mean if you look at uh, roughly nine years ago the Maytag Whirlpool merger Uh, The Justice Department eventually determined that it would not cause an unfair rate price rising in part because its rivals in the U.S. and abroad were effective counterweights that would increase output and pull prices down. Now, at the time, Maytag was number three in sales. Whirlpool was number one. So Mm -hmm. they, they were letting number one and number three merge. But now they're saying no, number two and number three cannot merge. So that seems to be
0: hypocritical. But yeah.
1: one of the things I read by a, an attorney who deals with antitrust issues a lot says that normally these things are approved. You know, the companies involved make a couple of minor concessions and then they'll get the, the you know, magnanimous stamp well, of approval Well, but it's not just overlords. the
0: concessions and they also do a little kickback to their, uh, mm-hmm. to a few senators' campaigns and then, ooh, the skids get greased and that's the way it worked. Hey, it's America, the best government money can buy.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, one of the interesting things is that, the, so this antitrust case is scheduled to go to trial in November, early November uh, GE and Electrolux have sought evidence from LG and Samsung's South Korean headquarters, um, which I'm not sure Samsung and LG want to give all this data that they're asking no, for. of course what, they don't.
0: They're going to fight that.
1: What I assume they're looking for is both current market share. They're trying to really nail that down. What is the current market share and what are Samsung and LG's plans for growth? Well, oh,
0: they're aggressive. I know mm-hmm. I know from in the training sessions with at Samsung, they have aggressive marketing, aggressive growth, and they are growing. They're leaps and bounds. LG is right. probably comparable, too. These they, are aggressive Korean companies that are making big inroads in the U.S. market.
1: In about a decade, they've gone from essentially zero uh, market share in uh, home appliances mm-hmm. to 20% combined. Probi- I mean, and probably more than that, yeah. Um, now, one thing I saw, which was kind of interesting, is wait that, a minute.
0: One mm-hmm. point I want to make on that that market share that you mentioned with Samsung, LG, guys, twenty percent, probably more than that right now. You cannot be ignoring these brands. You know, I, I talk, and we're going to talk more about this in the next segment. But you cannot be dismissing these brands. You're effectively cutting out twenty or more percent of your market. And that's income, that money you're leaving on the table. So. Again, you just got to learn it. And we're going to get more into that. Oh, yeah. That's a little preview into what's coming up in the next segment.
1: Yep. Uh, The last comment I had, one of the quotes from the Department of Justice said that combining GE and Electrolux would reduce competition in the market for cooking appliances. I don't know why they're only worried about cooking appliances, but that kept coming up when I was doing my research.
0: You'd think laundry would be in there, too.
1: I know sold to bulk buyers like home builders and apartment developers well
0: uh, because ge's has the big foothold with builders and all the you know the cheap ge appliances that go in uh, you know mass developments
1: Mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's kind of interesting i wonder if there's some lobbying going on um you know on behalf of these large-scale markets
0: so yes what is the implication for the market then all of this consolidation good thing bad thing
1: well First of all, it's been going on for a while. I, I have a list here of once independent manufacturers that are no more. And I mean, you think about it, the home appliance market is, is not that old, these, you know, about a century. Anybody who's been
0: in the trade for a while is probably familiar with a lot of these names. Go ahead and read a few oh, yeah.
1: Off. So Admiral, Amana, Caloric, Crosley, mm-hmm. Gibson, International Harvester, Gen Air, Kelvinator, Maytag, Tappan, yep, so. and this is only a partial list, but those are now still, a lot of them are still brands, but they are, used to be independent companies. I've been in
0: the trade long enough to remember when they were independent companies, uh, many of those that right. you mentioned, so and then they got the, the Pac-Man waka waka waka.
1: But there are a lot of independent appliance manufacturers around the world, including in the US, you know, smaller scale ones, and not all of them are upscale, uh, no. You know, the high end, so I don't worry too much about these types types of mergers because there's Part plenty suppliers of pressure are
0: consolidating too, aren't they?
1: They are. That's another and I have a basis
0: that. I mean uh, to me it's uh, if parts suppliers are consolidating, I know Marcone is a big one and they're, they're they buy up a lot of small distributors. Um, that to me really only bodes for higher prices that we as services are going to have to pay and then in turn pass that charge on to our customers.
1: But and that could be the case, but sometimes consolidation can actually lead to a more robust distribution network, for example, That's That's good point. you so, know, hard to closer tell warehouses, how. faster shipping. Hard to
0: tell how it's going to cut. I know Marcone has an excellent um, warehouse network. I mean, they happen to be my supplier. There are a lot of good suppliers out there, so I'm not advocating Marcone necessarily. I've just they've been good to me over the years, and I've been, they're good to deal with. First Source serval, a lot of these guys out there are, are um, uh, good suppliers, but there there's some uh merging and consolidation going on in that side of the industry as well but yeah you're right so it could cut both ways it's hard to tell how that could go
1: as long as there's some competition out there Mm -hmm. then you know it keeps them honest but you look at amazon i mean you talk about a sort of consolidated thing they sell almost anything yeah um and prices are decent yeah because they still have competition
0: all right. So did we want to get into Bico or we want to uh, go on, maybe save that for next week?
1: Let's save that for next week. We've got some interesting other, you know, talking about brands right. and, and shifts coming on the horizon. Right. We'll so-, save that. so
0: we'll save that item for next week. So you are listening to Master Samurai Tech Radio. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. And welcome back to Master Samurai Tech Radio. Well, another shifting gears a little bit here. Wanted to talk about this military scholarship program that we partnered with ApplianceZone.com. Jim Allen's a CEO over there. Great guy. Known Jim for a long time. We partnered up on this program with him to provide a way for a returning military veterans to get their footing get reoriented get integrated back into society maybe even you know train for a job or start a business in appliance repair as appliance repair techs
1: yeah their experience in the service may or may not have given them any marketable skills so a lot of these guys come back and they really need a leg up to get going
0: right and that's the point with the scholarship is to but when it's all said and done at the end of when they graduate the fundamentals of appliance repair uh, course over at mastersamuraitech.com it will have been a free educational experience for them actually trade training experience for them to go and take very specific concrete skills and either get a job as a skilled, certified appliance tech, or start a business. Right. And that's, I think, what uh, our first awardee is yes. doing.
1: Yes. So, yep. It, like we said, it's a new program, and we have our first scholarship winner. His name is Brandon Lacesny. I mm-hmm. hope I'm saying that last name right, Brandon, if you're listening. I, I think that's right,
0: <laughs> and congratulations, by the way, Brandon.
1: Yep. He is recently retired from the U.S. Air Force and just got married. Got lots of stuff going on in Double
0: congratulations, yeah.
1: He uh, has worked in appliance sales, and he realizes that his town needs a good repairman, like so many towns out there. Um, he started learning some on his own and doing a few repairs part-time, and he wants to shift it to a full-time career with some solid training from Master Samurai Tech.
0: Right, and so now he's going to get the actual... He's going to learn how to be a real technician, to think like a real tech, get the schematic reading skills, understanding circuits and motors, and I mean, just be able to do real troubleshooting and not just get parts-changing skills that you can get for free at YouTube, but yes, he's going to learn how to be a real... And he's going to blow away the competition. Because not a lot of guys know this stuff out there.
1: Yep, he's making good progress already in the course, and... um, We know that there are going to be more scholarships awarded in the future. So where do they go to find out more about that, Samurai?
0: They want to go to ApplianceTechScholarship.com. That's ApplianceTechScholarship.com. And you can find out more about the program, how it works. If you're a veteran, you can go ahead and apply. Get your application in there. And you may get awarded a 100% scholarship for the Fundamentals of Appliance Repair course.
1: Right. And keep this in mind for any other veterans you know or people currently in the military who will be getting out soon. Spread the word, yo. Oh, yeah.
0: All right. So let's move on and shift gears a little bit over to some things going on at Appliantology. I had posted a while back, uh, when exactly, on July, in end of July, a post that was meant to be controversial, and boy, was it!
1: There's been some buzz.
0: Yeah, it was. A, it's a, it's a, the title of it is. It's in my blog at Applientology, um, Applantology.org. Three surefire ways to spot an appliance repair hack in your home. This is a post that I wrote aimed at consumers to raise consumer education. I actually released this as a, as a into the public domain. Released this article. I encouraged my brethren in the craft. That's um, probably most of you listening I, I would dare say all of you listening yeah uh, if you're if you're a professional appliance repair tech and you're taking the time to listen to this you are probably one of my brethren in the craft and I'm encouraging you guys to post this on your social networks on your websites because the whole objective is to raise consumer awareness about this rampant problem that is afflicting all of us even though we're not responsible for it we have a lot of bad actors in our trade with moral and technical deficiency that are screwing over customers, lying to customers, or being just completely inept and incompetent and overcharging them because of their ineptitude. You know, oh, replace a part, oh, must have been something else and keep charging them each time.
1: Oh, you this encountered is... a customer like that yesterday. Highly suspicious from the first moment she answered the door, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> kind of a little, but it's kind of interesting little side story. Yes, open the, open the door. She was actually referred to me from someone else. She opens the door. I always do service calls with my son, Sam. He's just helpful. He carries the tools, and he's a certified tech himself, and he's competent in his own right. And it's, it's, it's also a way of just refining his training. He's been through all of our online courses, and now he's just getting the hands-on running service calls with me. So we go up to the door. The first thing this woman says is not hello or anything like that. Oh, there's two of you. Keep in mind. Now she had called just that morning, and we got out that day.
1: Oh, like two hours later.
0: Di- she was freaking out about her dishwasher, two lights left on, on the control panel. Oh, there's two of you, and it just went downhill from there. My uh, guts were screaming at me, turn around and go. But the the point of that story is, even though she was referred by someone, she still had all of this mistrust and suspicion, and probably a lot has she has she has probably dealt with hacks and parts changing monkeys in the past. So she's probably got some very high, suspicious, uh, was that, hurdle that, we, uh-huh. that people would have to overcome. Anyway, it's, the point of that story is it gives us all a bad name. It gives us all something that we have to unnecessarily work at and struggle against. You know, it's hard enough just to get the stuff fixed a lot of the times these days. And then we've got to deal with a customer who's believing that any time our lips move, we're lying. So, and this is the problem, and that's why I put together this post to help customers, give them some concrete things that they can really use to assess. They don't, people don't understand that there's a real. Just like with appliances, there's a real bifurcation going on in the trade today. It's really not evenly split. What we've got is like a, a majority of guys out there who, who who hold themselves out as appliance repair techs are really parts changers. They don't understand troubleshooting. They don't read schematics. They don't know circuits. They don't understand the basic technology that they're dealing with, yet they hold themselves out as as a professional appliance repair technician. Then you got the minority of people, probably twenty ten percent of us, who really do know all of these skills, have a, are really high skilled, high functioning technicians, and but the customer can't tell the difference. That's the we can we know we know the parts changing monkeys when we talk to them. You know we see those kinds of posts at applianceology. A guy comes along, he's a he you know uh, at least claims to be a, a, a technician. You know I'm working for, on this refrigerator for my customer. And so, and he's warm temperatures and he's, and somebody comes along and says, well, have you checked the thermistors? And he goes, what are thermistors? Uh Or, Or he goes, how do you check thermistors? What does that mean? I mean, hello, how could you be working on modern refrigerators today and not even understand what thermistors are, what they do? So you don't have an understanding of that technology. Don't know how to test them. Don't know what the significance of it is. Instead, you see a lot of these guys, they want to immediately throw a control board at it when usually it's it's something like a sensor or something feeding information to that control board. See, they don't get that basic Right, uh, and that's why
1: well, you know, a huge percentage of control boards that are sent back to manufacturers are actually test good.
0: Exactly. So that, we need to um, get the word out. and try, I'm trying to raise awareness with this post. So look for this. It's three surefire ways to spot an appliance repair hack in your home, dated July 29th, at my blog, Samurai Appliance Repairman's blog at Appliantology.org one of the I raised three ways that consumers can tell if they're dealing with a with a charlatan hack or parts changing monkey in their home and the thing that seemed to get the most that seemed to be, be the biggest lightning rod for this among techs who maybe they read it and saw maybe a little bit of themselves in it I don't know but one of the things I mentioned in there is that one of the criteria is that if your tech walks in and sees you have a Samsung LG Mila or some other, high-end high or up-and-coming brand, and immediately goes off on how those, those brands are junk. Well, those, those are junk brands. You need to get yourself a whirlpool. Uh, this is a surefire sign the guy's a hack. Look, now, early on, when Samsung LG came into the trade, maybe, and they, they didn't have their parts distribution set, and they, it was hard to get tech info on them. What was that, 10 years ago or something like that? Okay, maybe yeah. there was some justification for um, uh, having some bad feelings about those brands. We, we like stuff we can fix, and we need the technical information to be able to fix it. That has long since been corrected. For years, yeah. For years. Samsung, we got tons of Samsung information at Applientology. If you're a professional appliantologist member, you got that. I'm a Samsung warranty servicer. I can get anything anybody needs so they can ask for stuff there. LG has a free site, uh, LG Tech Assist, where if you are a uh, verifiable professional appliance repair tech, in other words, you got like an ad in the yellow pages or something like that, you're listed, registered with your state, something, they check you out. You can get free access to that. So there's no excuse. And it's got tons of their all of their technical stuff on there. There's no excuse for not getting technical information on these things. Samsung has dialed in their parts distribution. Marcone is totally dialed in with their inventory. Uh, and so it's, it's not a problem getting the correct part anymore. Yes, that was a problem a long time ago. Not so much now.
1: Right. So the only conceivable reason a tech can't work on these appliances is if he doesn't have the technical know-how. To That's exactly
0: because they don't want to learn anything new. And the, the because we, we've talked about this before, but these Samsung, LG and basically they're just they're reflecting probably in a more clear way the the way all of appliances are going regardless of brand today be, driven by this energy star requirement stuff. They're all com- basically computers that do stuff. And they and they're a multi-board uh appliance that do different things, whether they chill food, whether they heat food, whether they wash clothes, whatever they do. But you're talking about a computer that does stuff, and you have to understand that technology and how these boards talk to each other. And that means, yeah, you've got to learn something new. You can't get lulled into this idea of complacent ignorance. Oh, I learned something 20 years ago, and I don't need to learn. I learned how to fix a whirlpool by changing out the cold control. Twenty years ago, I ain't learning nothing now. Now I don't need to do. You know, there's that. There, there, you can't do that. The trade is always changing. We talked about this in the mm-hmm. last segment. Uh, all these new brands coming into the market. A Biko that we're going to talk about next week. A Turkish brand. I mean, they're coming. And the trade. There's things are always in flux. So you can't just take a snapshot twenty years ago and then rest on your laurels and then go into crusty mode in your brain. Put that big old leather thing over your brain and then not uh, not taking any more new information.
1: Yeah, we have a we have a description for that, a phrase, complacent ignorance.
0: Yes, we do. That's and that and that is and that's a dangerous place to be because you're going to be what you're going to what can end up happening in your business, you're going to be slowly going out of business as your market share continues to shrink, and other people come along, other technicians who have kept up with the training, either online or going to manufacturer training, such as United Servicers, um, Appliance Service Training Institute, their annual big training event that they have, or regional training, or your parts house puts on training, you've got to get out of your shell and get out of your routine and you've got to go seek out this new information. You've got to keep up with it. Not just the new brands, but the new technologies out there. And you've got to understand how these technologies work.
1: Yep. You guys have heard us talk about this. I mean, we talk yep. about it a lot. It's being a professional... And it, sometimes it's it's a lot of work. You yeah. have to spend some of your time on continuing education.
0: Yeah, and so you, you get it through manufacturer's training, through your parts houses like I was mentioning before, but you can also get it over at Master Samurai Tech and the Fundamentals of Appliance Repair course, bring your troubleshooting skills up to speed where they need to be, go beyond that with the Advanced Schematics course. And then probably the best thing you can do as a resource, an ongoing resource for dealing with appliance problems and getting the technical information you need is a professional Appliantologist membership over to paleontology.org. Just go over there. There's a really clear links on how to how to sign up for that. But um, there's, there's, the information is available today, and that's this whole idea that we talked about last week of using the inf- the internet as a tool. It is a tool, and so there's. Uh, mm-hmm. it's it's not cool to not know how to use some guys almost wear it as a badge of pride i don't have an internet I, I i barely do email well you know you're just, you're just shooting yourself in the foot go ahead and just take your take your 357 magnum and shoot yourself in the foot because that's what you're doing oh yeah in this day and age i mean if you're not using all of the tools available to you information as well as the new tools that we need um like loading meters non-loading meters talk about those in other posts i mean you're, you're really not making effective use of the things that are available to you that you need to troubleshoot this new stuff out there and maintain your market share and more than that, grow your business. And grow as a person, grow as a technician. Mm-hmm. I mean, ignorance is curable. Laziness is not. So, But if somebody has the will to learn, they, they can learn that. Ignorance oh, yeah. is, it, to anybody can overcome ignorance. That's the whole point of education is to cure ignorance. But if you're lazy... Something's got to change inside you, and I'm not necessarily talking to you listening, but if someone is lazy, something has to change inside them. Nobody, Nothing can happen outside of them to change that. So that's, that's just not a curable condition. Something's got to, something else has to happen there.
1: That's right. Um, one thing I wanted to point out is that some people thought, or they kind of confused this point about the brands and tech's reaction to it with brand recommendations brand advocacy right that's not what we're talking about here Uh, we're talking about whether or not a tech will even work on it brand advocacy is a whole different thing if a customer asks you what they should buy but right This, um,
0: this is a good point because a lot of guys you can't just trash a whole brand I think we've touched on this before every brand will have models and types of appliances that are superior or inferior to other types. They'll have their particular weaknesses, quirks, idiosyncrasies. So it's just, it's ignorant to um, just trash an entire brand based on maybe a problem they've had with one model. So it's just just not even a nuanced approach to looking at the realities that we, the technical realities I'm talking about that we as technicians deal with.
1: Right. So there's one, quick thing i wanted to bring up if yeah. it's okay samurai
0: that'd be awesome what you got
1: we just want to tell our listeners that we are not uh, we don't have a thing against southerners well, <laughs> I that, thought you should mention that's this.
0: a great point uh we are southern you hear me slip into a southern accent periodically yeah we live in new hampshire now we're, we're pacing new englanders now but both of us grew up down south i grew up in atlanta and you mostly grew up in atlanta
1: yep so we have fun slipping back into our Southern accents or really letting them fly. And I just wanted to, I didn't want anyone to think we were making fun of Southerners.
0: No, we're not singling them out. But, and, and that's sort true. I, I actually can't do a Yankee accent. It's just not in my ears. But I, I, having grown up in Georgia, I mean, it's really easy for me to do a Southern accent because it's just, it's, oh, yeah. it's in there.
1: Yeah, we can't do that Yankee thing, whatever it is. There, yeah, there so- is a, a Yankee accent that it's beyond us.
0: It, it is I, I I just don't have an ear for it I've been we've been living up here now for over 20 years and I, I still don't I still don't I still can't imitate it authentically so yep. anyway just a, that's a good note good side note a good thing to point out here so all right uh, you're listening to Master Samurai Tech radio we're going to take a quick break stay with us <laughs> Alright, welcome back to Master Samurai Tech Radio, and this is everyone's favorite segment.
1: Tech Talk. And Tech I, Talk. I think today it's going to be the shortest one.
0: Yeah, this this one actually should be pretty short. A couple of things that are um, worthy of getting out there because they, a couple of other technician mythology... Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm using that word technician pretty loosely because technicians don't make at least one of these types of mistakes that we're talking about here that we're going to talk about. And this one, the first one comes out of a story that I had with uh, Justin, Appliance Man 97. Uh, He runs Just-In-Time Appliance Service in Grants Pass, Oregon. He gets a shout out because he shared the story with me. You share your tech tip, war, short, war story, topic idea, and if we use it on the show, we'll give your company a shout-out.
1: Oh, yeah, you'll be famous.
0: Free advertising, build cred with your customers, impress the ladies. Uh, There's
1: just so much goodness.
0: All the goodness. The goodness. Anyway, this was Justin was telling me about this guy in his area in Grants Pass, Oregon. This guy's an authorized Whirlpool servicer, right? I called him the, the Whirlpool authorized idiot in his area. and The guy's going around telling customers... Oh, don't use Rinse-Aid, just use vinegar because you don't need to spend the money on Rinse-Aid or something toxic. Uh, Who knows what other kind of BS he was telling them. Absolute BS, though. I can totally guarantee that because chemically, vinegar and Rinse-Aid, different universes. Oh, yeah whole different chemistry going on here you know it it points out we as technicians we have to understand stuff not just electricity and circuits and reading schematics and motors and technology and all that stuff we have to understand at least some chemistry in dishwashers as well as like in washing machines high efficiency Mm -hmm. washers it's it's all a lot of very sophisticated chemistry going on there and this idea that vinegar can substitute for aid is born out of sheer ignorance the, the, the tragedy here is that he's the whirlpool quote authorized guy and so he's got that this imprimatur of authority it's almost as if whirlpool is telling him himself anybody from whirlpool listening to this you, you guys have some of the uh, dumbest techs out there running warranty for you what in the hell is going on? I mean, I, we got the the Whirlpool guy in our area here. Just I'm doing cleanup yeah. behind him all the time. Another rant for another time. Anyway, oh, yeah. Anyway, there's, there's some story. Now, if you go to things like ASTI, which is Appliance Service Training Institute, but you were telling me it's actually now Annual Service Training Institute. It's a big week-long training event.
1: Right, the United Servicers uh, Association puts on each year. Right,
0: and one of the uh, presentations that is well worth attending there is uh, put on by a company called Reckitt Benckiser. Reckitt Benckiser.
1: Right, they call themselves RB now for short. Which but they
0: make they make rinse aid, they make detergents like Finish. They also make things like French's yellow mustard, and with a name like Reckitt Benckiser, they're also making. Uh, interrogation devices for use in Gitmo. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. That so, somehow no.
1: combine uh, yellow mustard with. That's uh, a joke.
0: That's that's a joke. Yeah. They don't really do that. But the, they're a German company. Do do lots of cool stuff. But uh, and one of the things they make is Rinse Aid. And they have the Soap Lady, Diane Hoffman, comes down there and she puts on this class each year on the chemistry of detergents as well as one of the things she talks about is rinse aid and you've got some right. some of your notes from that class there
1: well first i have to say the class is very entertaining so don't let the word chemistry scare you off it's, it's
0: non-technical it, it, kind of because she right. herself is a marketing person not a chemist so it's not like doing geek speak to you
1: right but i took pages and notes and it's actually very interesting and very important stuff not only for your own use at home but to tell your customers about because sometimes the things they're calling you about actually have to do and you know this but have to do with user error that could be using the wrong type of soap too much soap that kind of stuff so but as to rinse aids uh, a rinse aid is something i think around three drops or so gets dispensed at a particular time in the cycle
0: and what's the function of rinse aid
1: it what it is is it lowers the surface tension so that water can sheet off and evaporate so it
0: makes water wetter And assists in the in the sheeting is important for effective drying.
1: Right, and to eliminate the spots and and things like that. Right,
0: exactly. So totally different function. Now, how about vinegar? Do you got something on vinegar?
1: I ain't got another one on vinegar. I'll tell you about
0: vinegar. Vinegar is also called acetic acid. It's a mild organic acid, they call it. The whole function of vinegar. Using that in your dishwasher, it would be a substitute for something like oh, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting this right, like Glisten, where it it demineralizes the scale buildup in your dishwasher. So if you if you live in a hard water area. With that water circulating in the dishwasher, and you don't have a softener or anything, and you're circulating in the dishwasher with the heat, you're going to be precipitating out a lot of the hardness that's in the water. Hardness is things like calcium ions and stuff like that, and that gets precipitated out and sticks to the inside, sticks to especially on plastic tubs. You'll see it in the, in the spray arms, down in the sump assembly. Vinegar goes after and dissolves that hardness. That's the whole point with vinegar. It's not. It does not in any way substitute the. Uh, function of rinse aid it doesn't break down the surface tension of water it does not um assist in drying
1: right rinse but- aid also has anti-foaming agents that are activated at hot temperatures that right. help so that now i did find a note where uh vinegar gets used if you put a some people put a bowl of vinegar in periodically to do what you were just talking mm-hmm. about that it will be if you have a pre-wash like most dishwashers have pre-washed uh, that's where the vinegar will be slushed around and then emptied. Whereas if you use a specific cleaner like Finish, I think is RB's gr- brand, Glisten is another one.
0: Finish is their detergent.
1: Well, they also have a cleaner though. Oh, okay, all right. Um, they have a ton of products. Oh. Right. Uh, but it's designed to release during the main wash, where it has a more time and a higher temperature to do its work. So okay. I think vinegar is a good short-term, quick thing a, a, an owner can try, but it's not definitive. If they still are having problems, they may need to buy a specific dishwasher Right, cleaning. but if you're going
0: to use it, well, the way they're suggesting to use it, it's like a bowl in the pre-wash if you've mm-hmm. got, if, you're, if the dishwasher, your customer's dishwasher has that cycle. So you're sort of basically cleaning out the dishwasher before you actually run the load. And you're cleaning out any scale that might have built up from the previous load or loads, if, it's, if you do it like every few loads. Right. So anyway... The, the, main, the takeaway point is vinegar, rinse aid, totally different functions, totally different chemistry, and one does not substitute for the other.
1: Right. Vinegar is a periodic use thing. Right. Don't rinse- tell your customers to use it all the time. Right. Who knows what that would do to the inside of the what dishwasher? What is uh,
0: Rekebenkheiser? They actually uh, take dishwasher parts and soak them in vats of rinse aid for extended periods of time to make sure it's going to be safe. You do that with vinegar, it will eat them up.
1: Right. Yeah, that's that's another important thing. When when your customers are trying to do you know maybe homemade detergents or things like that, is to let them know that the the reputable companies anyway that produce detergents they test everything extensively to make sure it's not going to damage your equipment.
0: All that eco stuff. I mean, whether you're talking eco detergents for washing machines, which is just basically they're lie based l y e based soaps. They're not really engineered detergents. They and they just create this caustic slurry. So they're just basically corroding your clothes clean, quote clean, and same deal, these eco you know, soaps that are used in dishwashers, same type of thing, they're all horrible, and you should discourage your customers from using them. Everybody thinks, oh, but the environment, uh, finger rubby, and all that stuff, and yeah, you know what, it all goes down into a sewer treatment plant, the stuff gets diluted so much anyway, even if you're going into a septic tank, the bugs eat that stuff up anyway. The stuff that these engineered uh, uh, detergents are not going to kill the bugs in your Precious septic tank and they're not going to knock out the sewer treatment plant so I mean all of this this misplaced environmental fuzzy wuzzy navel gazing stuff it just results in well or you can tell them to go, keep using that stuff because it gives us more work to do right it creates and, more repairs and it gives them horrible results with their washing machines and, and dishwashers and they go oh why aren't there any good appliances today well yeah you're using the wrong stuff but you want, you want to be an eco doofus then fine
1: well and arguably the the worst um component of detergents phosphates are no longer in anything so correct you know that did that took away a lot of the incentive and that
0: was a big that was a problem because that was a pass-through element would go into the sewer treatment plants and it would pass through on to the ultimate receiving water body so that's gone that's that stuff is all long gone so uh, there is no more reason anymore for not using engineered detergents right so the other point i wanted to move it on from that so we're going to move from chemistry back into electricity the, this is another uh, point of technician mythology that i see out there i see this comes up periodically over in uh, various uh, topics at a plantology this confusion you can see it with uh, you can see it, you can understand it with homeowners but not with technicians should never confuse the function of a gfci ground fault circuit interrupter with a surge suppressor Totally different things. Once again, we're talking rinse aid and vinegar. Totally different things. And let me just explain really quickly the difference between the two. GFCIs, ground fault circuit interrupters, they work by sensing the differential current between line and neutral in an outlet. The, and So they're not actually sense- measuring that current leakage to ground, this is what another misconception a lot of people have. It is simply a differential measurement going on, there that they're measuring that difference in current between line and neutral, right? Line and neutral, not ground. So any difference in there, I mean it will trip on microamps, it's like 60 microamps, something incredibly small. Any discrepancy between the current coming in on line and leaving on neutral will cause that GFCI to trip. For this reason, uh, you know, you start talking older appliances, these older split phase motors, the varnish in the insulate motor winding starts breaking down, it will leak a little bit of current. Any older appliance will start leaking some uh, current to ground and will, will create that small, incredibly small differential between line and neutral. For this reason, manufacturers say don't use GFCIs with appliances, particularly with refrigerators, because when GFCIs trip, they kill the whole breaker. They, they cut out power to the whole appliance.
1: Bad news for a fridge.
0: Exactly. Then you're talking lost food, food poisoning. I mean, that's why it's in big bold. I've got a separate video. I, I actually show extracts from the use and care guide on various manufacturers, various types of refrigerators, warning you in no uncertain terms, do not use GFCIs. But it's, it's true with any type of appliance that uses. Older motors, as they age, they will leak. It's just the nature of motors; they will leak some small amount of current. Surge suppressors, totally different. It's not measuring that differential current between line and neutral. It's just got a little thing in there. I think it's like a varistor, and so when, when you get some spikes and surges that come in on the line, it just clips them. And but it does not. It never ever interrupts power. When a, when a surge suppressor's internal circuitry fails it just stops click, clipping those spikes
1: right it just means you're not protecting anymore but right. the
0: it, do- it never yeah. ever interrupts power to the appliance it, it's not how they they simply can't fail that way uh, it, when that little varistor, that thing that's connecting between the two when it fails it just it, it Simply, let's uh, current go on, power go on, uninterrupted, unmonitored, unclipped to the appliance. It never opens up and kills it. So, totally different functions. Surge suppressors are there to take out spikes and transients on the line. GFCIs are there to detect that imbalance between line and neutral. And I don't know that I drove this point home. the The implication is that when there's a difference between line and neutral that the GFCI picks up. It then assumes that that difference, that discrepancy, is going to ground. Probably a good assumption. Mm-hmm. Because, and that's, in fact, that's where else can it go? And in the case of a, an older split-phase motor that, that will invariably leak, that's exactly where it's going. It's going to ground. But the idea is that, uh, oh, if it's going to ground, that's bad because someone could be standing on a wet floor. Great idea. Wrong application, though, to use them on major appliances. Surge suppressors? should always be used on major appliances, particularly these computerized appliances that we have today. Think about your computer that maybe you're listening to this podcast on right now you never plug it directly into the wall or you shouldn't or if you yeah, do let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, if you do it won't be plugged in there very long you won't have that machine very long because there's always junk raw power is dirty power just like raw water is dirty water power that comes directly into your outlet is all kinds of junk on it i have this power quality analyzer meter i can look at I actually see all this crap and garbage on the on the sine waves you know the, the power sine waves are always drawn as these nice clean 60 hertz sine waves right
1: mm-hmm. you mean it's not that way
0: no lots of lots of spikies and fuzzies and harmonics and all this type of garbage in the line and that's why you use these power surge suppressors power filtration things with your with your computers same deal you've got a silicon-based life form that's living in your uh, or in in the and all of the modern appliances
1: does it think we're ugly bags of mostly water ugly
0: bags of mostly water (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I wonder how many people out there know the Star Trek reference. Anybody get
0: that reference? I don't know. It was one of the one of the uh, from the early Star Trek. Went back when uh, Captain Kirk. That was the real Star Trek, not that uh, pointy head, pinhead Picard. I know, yeah, you I never, never did like him. him. Never did like him. Well, too, he didn't too swagger enough. He never got the cute green chick either. Kirk always got the cute green chick. And then, but yeah, ugly bags of mostly water, silicon life forms. You have that. They exist in all of the modern appliances today, and that's why you use surge suppressors with them. So, GFCIs, major appliances, eh surge yes. suppressors major appliances
1: ding 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 yes and even though we've made uh, quite a bit of money over the years replacing jazz boards and the like for people oh, who yeah. did not have surge suppressors it. loving it we still do recommend to our customers yeah, after we you know, to, it, it takes the sting out of them paying us <sighs> for that repair when we say here for you know a few bucks more i'll install this search processor for you and this won't happen again
0: adds value customer edumacation. Mm-hmm. just like uh you know we, we hope we're educating some of our listeners and you know we're kind of in that edumacation business in, in general
1: yes we are so just a
0: reminder you guys send us your tech tip your appliance war story from a service call topic idea that you'd like to hear us talk about Uh, on the show and if we use it in the show we'll give you and your company a shout out free cred build free advertising and uh, you know impress the ladies
1: and that's how you got me
0: (laughs) (laughs) somebody mentioned me somewhere (laughs) all right and just i want to also encourage you to subscribe to us on itunes or on our youtube channel or any of our social media uh, outlets facebook twitter whatever you can also comment to us there and send us suggestions whatever you'd like to hear We also have contact forms at our various websites, mastersamuraitech.com and applyontology.org where you can just shoot us a comment there. Uh, suggestions for improving the show, things you'd like to hear, whatever. I'm also available on Voxer. If you just go on Voxer and, and if you don't already have me as a contact, just search Samurai and you just give me a shout out on Voxer and we can we can actually talk. Um, people will do this. I encourage it. I invite it. It's um, it's absolutely great way to um, you know make that communication a little more real. Yo, you know what I'm saying?
1: That's right. And also um, at the uh, blog posts for this podcast, as well as I think at the YouTube channel in the description, we, mm-hmm. we always put the links to any articles we've mentioned. So for example, the ontology blog post, we'll Right, we'll put right, a link right, there. Right. So if you're yep. ever looking for what we've talked about, that we keep it there for you, uh, for your reference.
0: Good point, good reminder. So, well, I think we've, you know, remember we started out with, oh, uh, we're going to keep them to 20 minutes. We have blown that out uh, of the Did you notice we one. didn't
1: even say anything this time? Yeah. We, we finally, you know, we... We had a heart-to-heart, and we really came to terms with the fact that there ain't no way we're going to talk for less than yeah, some, half an well, hour, 45 minutes.
0: Sometimes there's more to talk about. Now, some of those shows might be shorter, but anyway, this that's enough on this one. So, all right, we're out of here. That's a wrap. So, thanks for listening again to Master Samurai Tech Radio.
1: We appreciate you listening, and we look forward to talking to you next week.
0: All right, sayonara, guys.